Today's teaching text comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Parkso family. It has been a while, and I am very thankful to be back with you. Uh, for those who don't know, I've yet to meet. My name is Patrick Boatwright, uh, and once upon a time, I was the former pastor of student and families here at Park Slope, uh, and my wife, Catherine, and our son, James, uh, called this community home, and now we are just up the BQE uh, in Williamsburg, a part of Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Um, but I am so thankful to come back with you once again, as I believe once family, always family. Um, so I'm so thankful for the chance to come and give the word of the Lord to you. Uh, we are in the middle of this series, the hear and practice the words of Christ. And when Caleb asked me to speak uh, during this summer series, it is my custom to just take a moment because I don't desire to give you words that come from my good wisdom, um, because honestly, that won't get you very far. Actually, it won't get you anywhere. But if I can, if I can tap into what the Lord is saying and wants to say in and through me, then you have an opportunity to have something that can truly benefit this community and you as followers of Christ. And so my process for that then is really just to sit and listen and to ask the Lord, what would you have me to say? What word would you have me to bring to these people, um, my friends, Lord? Um, and would you use me as a vessel? And so in that process, uh, there was one night a few months ago after Caleb had asked me that I had this dream. And in this dream, I was a, a first day teacher and I was like running to this class that I was late for and I get into this class and I'm having to teach them and I'm going, what, do I, what should I teach them? And in comes, I'm telling them about who I am and then comes this exercise that comes to mind. And, it's, and I say to the class, hey, I walk over to the door of the classroom and I say, who thinks that they can open this door. And of course, all the kids like raise their hands and like, of course we can open the door. And then I say, okay, I grab a volunteer and I say, open the door. But I forgot one of the instructions. Who here can open the door using only the front of their head? And they were like, oh, what, you tricked us. Maybe this is my old youth pastor ways coming out of me. Uh, always ask for the full instructions. But I said, who can, who can do it? And so this kid is before me and he's like trying as he might. And he's like, you know, banging his head against the door and he's trying to get the doorknob, but he, he just can't get any traction and nothing's happening. And another kid tries and another kid tries. And finally they ask for like, we don't get it. We can't do it. Well, the answer was simple. So in this dream, the answer to opening the door using only the front of their heads was for one of them to just turn around and ask someone, hey, would you come open this door? And when they did that, someone would say, sure. And they would get up and they would walk and they would open the door for that person and the task would be achieved. So what does it have to do with anything in hearing and perceiving the words of Jesus? That is a great question. And I wanna acknowledge that some of you are like, okay, 
dreams things this seems a little too airy where are you going with this well i want to i want to center it because after that dream i kind of woke up and i sat with the spirit and he really burdened me with that picture and also this word and it was grounded in this verse our teaching text for today which is revelations 3 verse 20 where jesus says here i am i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with that person and they with me now i'm sure when caleb invited me to preach on how does it look like to hear and practice the words of jesus he was not imagining a verse from revelation but here we are um and i'm actually excited because i think this uh this invitation really i i really believe uh will open the door for the next season of this community. And so I offer it to you humbly, um, and I pray uh, that it will find resonance with you uh, as a spirit guide. So let me just pray and then we'll dive in. Holy Spirit, I come as an open vessel. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips be aligned with yours for these people, for my friends here at Trinity Grace Church Park Slope. And as we dive into this passage today, Lord, would you use it as only you can to illuminate, to guide, and to call forth into newness of life. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so let's look at this passage. There's a simple one. Obviously, it's found, as you guys have, I think, recently studied. This passage is found in a warning to the church at Laodicea, who is this lukewarm church. And so God is condemning them for being hot and for being cold. And that's neither here nor there, though. But what I want us to really focus on is the invitation that God gives to this church, which is not really indicative necessarily of them being hard or cold, but more so of what he wants to invite them into. And that is a feast. Jesus is desiring to dine with this church. And so how does one dine with Jesus? Well, he gives this two-point answer to that question. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So how do we feast at the table that Jesus is trying to prepare for us? It's simple. We hear his voice and we open the door. But what does it look like to do that? That's what I wanna to give to you today. So let's talk about hearing the voice of God. This is a phrase, if you like me, you grew up in church and you've heard quite a bit, and it really can be like, like most, I'm from the South, we have all these like Southern phrases and idioms that don't make much sense. Like I'm gonna go skin a cat, and you're like, what does that mean? And I don't think you can do that nowadays. Uh, but there's always these things like, what does it mean to actually hear the voice of God? Well, I believe that when we look over the course of scripture, there are six ways that we see God speaking to his people. And I just want to take a moment to give you something tangible that you can hold on to when I say what it means to hear from the voice of God. So let's go. So the six things, the first one that I want to offer to you is natural revelation. What do I mean when I say natural revelation? Well, when we talk about hearing from God, oftentimes we talk and we think about slowly like some clap from heaven or some miraculous event. And we're going to get to that as one of the ways that God talks to us. But primarily, mostly God is talking through the natural world that he has built for us. 
We see this in Romans 1.20, where Paul tells us that for since the creation of the world, God's invisible quality, so who God is, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen. How have they been clearly seen? Paul says, by being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So Paul is saying that we can hear who God is and what he is like by observing the world around us. And from that, what do we learn? We learn that God is a God of order. He puts bridges. He puts the, the, the stop of the water at its place. He tells the land where to go. He puts the birds in the air and not in the sea. He tells the stars where to go, right? And so we see this, this Adonai, this God over all, this Elohim, right? The scriptures say that God puts every star in its place. But then we also know Emmanuel because the scriptures also say that God knows each star by name. And what a beautiful thing when we look up at the stars and that we can be reminded that we serve a God who's big enough to cover all the things that happen on this earth, right? All the rising of the tides and the the setting of the sun. He can control all of that and yet maintain a level of intimacy that speaks to us and teaches us something about who God is. So God speaks to us first through his natural revelation. Secondly, God speaks to us through a supernatural revelation. So supernatural revelation, when we're talking about this, we're talking about God defying and kind of breaking into the world as he designed it so that he can do over and above what he needs to accomplish to expose his will and who he is. For instance, we see the scriptures. We have this Bible that has been composed, was composed over a hundred of years by uh, 60 books, 66 books and 44 authors. And all of these, 2 Timothy tells us, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, are God-breathed. These scriptures were inspired by God, right? So through this, this process of allowing each of these men to write in the ways that were true to themselves, God still composed a cohesive and infallible narrative, one that we can see and learn from, one that's profitable for teaching, rebuke, correction, and training up in righteousness, right? That's a pretty amazing feat. If you don't think so, just go try to write a poem and you will see how hard it can be to really do something like that. Another way that we see the supernatural is when people talk about having dreams like I just did earlier or the prophetic. And we see this too in scripture in Acts 27, 9 and 10. We have the story of Paul on a ship and they are sailing off into dangerous waters. And Paul has this this premonition, this word from God, this prophetic sense that they are going to find rough waters and lose all their cargo if they proceed. But as people are wont to do, they didn't really believe the guy that was like, ah, God told me we shouldn't do this. And so they forge ahead. Turns out that Paul is right and all this cargo is lost and they themselves are almost threatened with death, but God saves them. We see this again in Acts 10, where Peter in the midst of some racial strife in the early church has this vision of a, a banner coming from heaven and these meats that, that once were considered unclean being called clean. And through that, God tells him, hey, this division between Jews and Gentiles is not indicative of the family of God that I'm building. So cut it out. 
And so Peter ends up going to Cornelius and speaking this word to the early church to address this racial strife. But all that comes from, as the scriptures say, a trance. So all this is say, we see that one of the ways that God speaks to us is through the supernatural. And that's not just dreams and prophecy, but that's also through things like prayer. That can also be things like words of encouragement and all those things that the spirit can do in and through us. Third, history. So Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. We know that we serve an immutable God. Psalm 33.11 says, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, and the purposes of his heart throughout all generations. Because God is immutable and he doesn't change, we can look throughout history and see how God has worked in the past. And this teaches us not necessarily what he's doing in this moment, but it does teaches us his character. And so if I'm in a situation where I'm like, ah, is God really telling me to do this? Well, I can look through the testimony of the saints throughout scripture and also the testimony of the saints that surround me. And I can find the character in the heart of God, and that helps me determine what he's doing and how he's working in a given situation. It provides wisdom and insight into his heart and to his nature. So we look through history and we can understand more of who God is. Got just two more for you, or three more for you, we're there. Next one, opportunity. So God puts opportunities in front of us. God can speak through the opening of doors, right? We see in Luke 3, uh, in speaking of Jesus, as this reference to this Isaiah prophecy, this is every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight and the rough way smooth, right? Where God is, there is a spirit of freedom. There's movement and he guides us towards what he wants us to do. We see this kind of in Acts 16, where Paul is trying multiple times to go into these different cities, and yet God is blocking him through his spirit, not allowing him to go. And then, finally, in a dream, Paul has a vision of a Macedonian man who says, hey, come here. And so Paul finds no resistance. He's able to go to Macedonia, preach the gospel, and a woman named Lydia is saved, and her and her, 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 and her whole household come to know the Lord. It's a beautiful story of how God opens the doors. But likewise, we see in like 1 Thessalonians 2.18, where Paul is writing to the church at Thessaloniki, and he's saying, I wish that I could come again and again to see you, but I've been hindered by Satan. What does this mean? When we're trying to see what God is communicating in and through, one of the ways we can do that is through opportunity. But just because God is in something, doesn't mean that we won't experience hindrance or, or opposition, right? So we're, if God is in it, the way gets made smooth, but that doesn't mean we won't encounter obstacles because we know that we have, as Peter tells us, an enemy who roars and comes around like a lion seeking to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So we have to judge those things in context. Am I facing a closed door like Paul trying to get into these cities? Or am I facing something that God is trying to do and Satan is blocking me? Well, how do we do that? Well, we kind of use, one of the main ways we use it is this next way of hearing from God, and that is community. 
this is one of the best ways that we get to experience and hear God and learn of who he is. Because God at his very nature is triune. He is community at his very essence and core. And he has given us an invitation into a deeper community. And by that community, not only do we get to know each other, but more and more we get to know the God we serve. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Jesus says, where people are gathered in community that blesses me and calls me God, there I am, right there. I'm there in the middle of them. First Peter 2, 9 and 10, Peter says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We have been made a communal people. We were a disparate people out and alone, but when we come into the family of God, we find a forever family. And that shows us the communal heart of God. And so as we're trying to figure out, God, where are you in this? Well, we have the opportunity of the people in our lives who also have been indwelled with the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak truth and light to us, to come alongside us and to help us see where we may not be able to see and to give us a hand in the places where we may be struggling. And all this serves to help us hear more from God. And lastly, what do we mean when we talk about hearing from God? Well, the personal. And by this, I mean, there are ways that I just frankly can't name. And there are specific ways, as we talked about with God naming each of the stars, where he has made himself intimate to you. And maybe that's for me, it's um, repetition. So oftentimes, because I'm kind of thick-headed sometimes, God has to show me and teach me something through multiple different things. And I'm kind of like, okay, I get the message. I've seen it everywhere. Or another thing is for me... Um, parallelism. So I'll be going through a situation and I'll maybe stuck and I'm like, God, should I go left? Should I go right? And there'll be another uh, situation in my life that's kind of in some ways allegorical to the one I'm struggling with. And I'll be in a different position and I'll be able to see, oh, that's what you're doing. That's how you're calling me forward. That's the invitation you're presenting to me. So I don't know how God speaks to you in those intimate and direct ways, but he is doing it. And so whenever I hear people say like, man, I never hear from God. Well, I say, maybe you're answering the wrong phone, right? And so maybe you've been looking at how, you know, your friend always seems to have these dreams or, you know, this other friend who knows like all of the scriptures and you're just like, I, I can't do any of those things. How do I ever know from God? And I just want to encourage you. The practice of these things is to really start to sit and to listen and start to unpack and go back. Look at your lives. Where are the moments in your life where you felt a particular resonance or a particular um, course of action that seemed maybe kind of outside of something you would have chosen for yourself? Maybe it's that voice that kind of was like, there's a thought that wasn't my thought. And those are kind of the places where you can start to take note. I encourage you to keep a journal. Write down the things that happen throughout your day and start to look for patterns where God kind of invades your world. And that will start to give you a sense of some of the ways God is calling and answering and, and calling you into uh, invitation for deeper relationship with him. It can happen. You don't have to be a pastor. But what does all this mean? 
Okay, so if we go back to our passage, Jesus is standing at the door and he says, hey, I wanna come eat with you. But first you gotta hear my knocking. You gotta hear my voice calling out. We've talked about what that could look like. But the second thing is, it doesn't matter if you hear me and you don't answer the door. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, this one time, um, I'm not much of a swimmer, um, but I can drown with the rest of them, with the best of them. And uh, one day I was out on a sailboat without a life jacket, cause again, thick headed. Uh, and we're on this lake and the water's calm. And long story short, this sailboat that I'm in capsizes. And all my friends are, are thrown out of this, the sailboat and I, hold on to the boom, which is the big pole that hold, attaches to the sail. And I am swept underneath the boat into this little air pocket. So 80 feet water, air pocket, holding on to a pole. And I'm like, well, this is where I die. And so I am terrified. And all my friends come and they kind of come back to the boat. And someone's like, where's Patrick? And they realize that I'm underneath the boat. Now, there's a thing about sailboats. It turns out from time to time, sailboats flip over, especially small ones. It's really kind of not that big of a deal. You just get out, you flip it back over, you get back in. But for someone who is not, you know, uh, water uh, proficient, this was the Titanic. Like, boats shouldn't be upside down. And so I am terrified. And they know that to get us out of this predicament, they got to flip the boat back over. And so they start to call me from under the boat. And they're saying, Patrick, Patrick, come, come from under the boat. Here's the, here's the secret. I could hear them perfectly well. But the thing was, I was super scared. And I figured if it was really important, they would like come underneath the boat and come talk to me. So I, I just refused to move. And instead I just kind of go, huh? Huh? What did you say? And they just keep screaming my name till finally they start to jump on the boat, which which provides enough fear that I come from under, eventually come from under the boat and we're able to flip it and get on our way. All right, I tell that story to say this. The first half is, is important, but the second half of the invitation is equally as important. If we hear from God, but we don't respond to the invitation, if we don't get up and open the door, then he's, he's a perfect gentleman. He's not gonna barge his way in. And we can miss out on the feast that he wants to set before us. So how do we open the door? Well, I would offer you this. As I've sat and um, prayed for you all, uh, it's no secret that we're in this time of COVID and church has not looked like it has in the past. Our gatherings are completely different. The fact that you're watching this now and not all before me uh, obviously is indicative of where we are. And so we have been encountering God because he still has talked to us and he has ministered to us over this past year. But that has often happened in isolated settings. It has happened alone and in our bedrooms or in the park or maybe with a small group of friends. And we haven't been able to experience that like big gathering all together and seeing those faces. Uh, and I've been so thankful that you guys have been able to experience some more of that with those pig beach gatherings and some of the smaller things. But here's the point. For you, I would offer this. I believe that in this season, it is going to be indicative for you 
to move as best you can towards community. What does that mean? I know that the staff here have been working diligently to try to find and provide spaces for you all to meet as best you can. And I would just wholeheartedly encourage you to make the most of every one of those opportunities. Show up if you can. Give ideas if you have them. If you know of a building around here that you can meet in, I'm sure they would love to hear it. Join in and find the ways where you can start to build community where you can and how you can. Maybe it just means that you start calling each other. What does it look like to start a phone tree and just check in on the people of this church? What does it look like to send an email to someone you haven't seen in a while and just remind them that God loves them and you do too and that you're still family? What would happen if you just started taking prayer walks through the streets of Park Slope and just find what God was doing along the way? When you go to these park hangs or uh, the summer nights, what does it look like to just make sure you're there as best you can be, as many people are as allowed, that there would not be an empty seat and you would show up and say, hey, we are going to build the bonds back to each other. It can be hard. We've spent a year uh, watching church, if you want to call it that, in our PJs. And so as we start to open things up back more and as there are more opportunities, well, honestly, you can find that there can be a little laziness, a little hindrance, a little, eh, it's just a lot easier to stay in my PJs. It's a lot easier to just kind of catch a little bite uh, on the YouTube on my phone as I kind of go back out to brunch because I can do that now. I just want to say to you, friends, I think that God wants to set a feast for TGC Park Slope, for the people that have been here and called this place home, for the new people that have come during this time. He wants to set a wide table and experience and show you who he is in his nature by your shared stories, by talking about how you've made it through this past year and the time that we still have left, to just sharing your love for one another and your love for Jesus. I think that's the invitation for you. Uh, my community, we are a 24-7 prayer church, and as such, we have this uh, communal rhythm of prayer. And so we all surround us uh, daily on the Lectio 365 app, uh, which is a resource of 24-7 Prayer International, which I highly recommend to you. You can find it in any of your app store. But it's just an app that gives you a morning and evening uh, prayer rhythm, and it kind of focuses on a scripture. I won't bore you with it, but go check it out. But a few weeks ago, one of the meditations was on 1 Kings 19, 10 through 13. And it was talking about Elijah. And it says this, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And the earthquake came, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. I just want to read you the uh, thought for that day. It said this, despite his exhaustion and disappointment, <clears throat> Elijah patiently waited for the presence of God. He didn't just look for God in the ways he'd shown up in the past. He listened for where God was in the present. 
And the question they asked was, how can I wait patiently and attentively for God's presence and voice today? I asked that question to you. We can't do church in our gatherings like we've done in the past. And those were beautiful times in how we met and learned and heard from God. They're going to look different going forward, even now. And so we can appreciate them, but we have to look for the invitations today. Because I think as Jesus says in Revelation, here I am, I'm knocking. Would you listen? Would you hear my voice? Would you open the door and I'll set a feast? What would it look like to practice that? Thank you for making space for me once again. I'm sure this won't be the last time. I love you all. And I just pray that God blesses you, keeps you, makes his face shine upon you. We'll see you soon.